Welcome. This is Kareem Kanji. This is episode 16. We are recording live at uh, Girth Radio Studios here at Pacific Junction Hotel in Toronto. And episode 16 features the creative director of Pivot Design Group, Ian Chalmers. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. remember the first time I came to your office? Yeah. You've got all these like clocks. I have a lot of clocks. Was yeah. it was it clocks, watches and cameras? Indeed. What's so what's up with that? How did that get started? Uh, well, let's just say I'm a collector, a hoarder. And my did wife Did you say hoarder? A hoarder. Okay. A hoarder of dead technology. Yeah. And my wife uh, after a while said you can't keep bringing this stuff home. You've got to take it to your office. So Luckily, I have my own office uh, with a lot of shelf space and the ability to, to put it on display. Um, I love tech. I love old technology, especially because it relates to how we think about new technology. You know, looking backwards is often more important than trying to predict the future. Looking forward, so it aids in us. I don't know. It aid, helps us think about you know applications for people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's. I mean, imagine someone was super excited about the uh, small flip phone at one time, right? Somebody thought this was just the height of, you know, mobile technology. Or the first tri- uh, po- not tricorder, the first uh, Polaroid camera, you know. I'd like m- the first tricorder. <laughs> first tri- <laughs> We're actually working on that. I wish we could bring it true, bring it bring it to reality, yeah. What, what's the, um, the coolest product that you have? Not the newest, but, you know, one of these old... Devices that you said, man, this is this is amazing just to have. Or, hmm. I have this uh, stone granite hand axe uh, from. It's a, like a caveman hand axe from three hundred thousand. You know how far back would it be? Four hundred, five hundred thousand years ago. Yeah, I bought it online. Now it's questionable its authenticity, oh, okay. but it, I do have a certificate. All right, and I think I bought it for fifty dollars. The certificate. <laughs> <laughs> it's from. It's from Eastern Europe, so maybe it is real. Anyway, the the real the thing about this beautiful hand axe is it's so perfectly ergonomic. It fits in your hand. It's was used for carving, probably for killing animals or fish. It was used as so a weapon, as a hunting device, as just a general tool for for people living in that period. And what's great about it is you hold it in your hand, you go, "This is so comfortable." And then you compare that to holding a mouse, like the Apple Touch mouse, or um, the current iPhone 6 Plus or a Samsung device, and you realize how uncomfortable those devices are Mm. and how they lack human fit or ergonomics, right? So 
So back how many years ago, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, fit, it was all about fit. And today we can't figure that piece out. Is So I love that hand axe. Yeah. Is what I'm did this collection start, like, you're, have you been collecting for a while? And, and so w- sort of where did it, that start from? Did it start from you just happened to be using some of these cameras or phones or devices and then you sort of just kept on updating them? Or, or, or was it something that, may, you, I don't know, maybe your father was doing a while back? Yeah, a bit of both. Okay. I mean, my dad was uh, an engineer technology guy who mm. worked at uh, Avro Aero as a flight test engineer and then I went to, he's one, of the, me one of the 24 Canadians that went to NASA to work uh, mm. in Langley, Langley Virginia. And uh, he, he loved technology, so he saved all the technology he bought, which I still have in the office. Ah. So that kind of sparked a little bit of the interest in, in myself. I'm no engineer, but uh, I love objects, and I love objects that come from some invention, you know. So it's a rumor that part of the Avro Arrow is in your office as well? I wish I could say that. <laughs> Did you? I, I have some things, but nothing of value, so please don't now that's, break into my office. I remember going with, uh, so we were talking before we started recording, my son's in, 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 in Cubs, which is sort of the age group before Scouts. And we went last year. To the Canadian Warplane Museum. That's right. Inside Hamilton, just outside Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we actually did a sleepover there as well. But we got to sort of uh, see remnants of the arrow mm-hmm. uh, and spoke to a, a couple of people who worked at the museum uh, about the history of the arrow and, and why it was canceled. Did your dad, off the record, ever... Uh, talk to you about that, or did you ever sort of ask questions about that to him? Or unfortunately, he passed away when I was nine. Ah. As, and you know, I wish I had the chance. There's so many questions as an adult; it'd be great to ask. Yeah, you know, because it, it's one of those enigmatic. Uh, help me pronounce that word there. Uh, symbolic projects in Canada that uh, we feel passionate about. We feel this like connection. So, uh, you know, who knows politically. Geopolitically, you know, was it Sputnik that, that killed it? Was it the f- you know uh, the fact that the Russians could put a rocket mm. in space meant they they could shoot ballistics? They didn't need to to bring uh, bombers across Canada, so that had a huge impact on that program. But the plane itself, the technology, the the brains that we had in Canada were like no other, and I think it was a threat to the United States uh, program, right? So yeah. it was either shut it down because it's going to threaten our own, you know, aeronautic program or, you know, shut it down and then take the pieces and that's kind of, and the brains. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. There was a huge brain drain. But, you know, out of that came many other, many other uh, aeronautical companies. Yeah. So. And and for those who are listening, well, what the heck is Avro Aero? Aero, Avro Aero? Right. Um, Avro Aero. Yeah. They, it was sort of a plane. When was this? In the 70s? No, it was 50s. 50s. Long, long range bomber, basically. It was designed to shoot down, to go uh, supersonic speeds to shoot down the uh, Russian bombers. Yeah. Go across Canada. Way ahead of its time. Way, way ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Fascinating stuff. Yeah, really. de- definitely. Beauti- and it was a beautiful plane. Like, it really was gorgeous. I mean, it so. looks like the fighter jets of today or the bombers of today. Mm-hmm. You know? They say a lot of the American design has come from the stealth bomber. Yeah. Now you are. The stealth bomber has come, taken its design from that, lead yeah. from the Avro Arrow, yeah. Um, 
now you're the creative director, founder, president, chief caretaker, all of, all all of, of that all of above. Yeah, man. for uh, Pivot Design Group. Correct. Uh, what is Pivot Design Group? What, 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 are, what are you guys all about? Pivot is a, um, you know, we've, wow, what a journey. Since 1998, started as a communication design firm and morphed into a design research firm. And then in UX design and sort of 06, 05, 06 in the earlier earlier days, mm-hmm. uh, as it was in, in applied to design. And today more as a product design, product evolution, service design kind of company. So we work mostly in the digital space and we apply sort of design methodologies. Design thinking is sort of the common term for many people and the way it's been packaged up. But we apply that sort of methodologies to thinking about uh, user experience as it applies to interfaces. So the way people interface with technology. So when, when we talk about design, we're not just talking about how something looks? No, of course not. We're I mean, well, I say of course not, but let's face it, the majority of people think, yeah. when they think design, they think, you know, uh, that the, the, the aesthetic. They think about the surface. They think about the color and the look and feel, which is a very big part of design, but that's visual design. Yeah. You know, it's not that the design that we're more interested in is the interaction, the piece that involves people. Like, what do people do? What do people need? And how do we fit, you know, technology to their world? So almost taking that same thinking when you held that prehistoric axe Mm -hmm. in your hand um, and how it felt so natural and comfortable uh, and yet you could understand how it could be used to take that sort of thinking and idea to say, how could we make these online products, these digital products, mm-hmm. in the same sort of way so that it's easy and simple to use? Would that be? That would be very accurate, and indeed. There you go. You know, it's, it, it's it, in this age where everyone is uh, launching apps and businesses and, you know, the startups and the incubators and accelerators, uh, there's a good number that are thinking about design, but often it's sacrificed. And there is an opportunity to make the product, the service, better than it could be mm-hmm. by by applying this type of methodology of sort of inductive, deductive thinking, right? Um, what, are the, what is this the right idea or is it the wrong idea? Should we do this? Should we not do this? Um, well, rather than guessing, it's better to interview people and ask questions about how would you do the following? Yeah. And then apply that thinking, that objective observation to better design products, better interfaces. Yeah. There's, um, there, there's a lot of interesting work that, uh, y- that I know that you uh, have done or, or uh, have been doing uh, as a result of you know, just speaking with you offline and stuff. Um, but I sort of want to take a step back in terms of you know, where you came from and how Pivot got started. Um, where, where do you sort of get your formal education? Is this something you learned at school, at university? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, not well. The school I went to OCA, which was not a university at the time; it was yeah. a college, and it only had three letters. And now it's uh, OCADU, which sounds like a swear oh. word uh, in Cantonese. Uh, and now it's it's a you know a degree course, a master's. You can be a you can have a master's of design yet have no life experience. So mm. it's amazing how how that's changed. So my education was very primitive. Um, spent time in fine arts, spent time in communication design, spent time in book binding, and then wow. spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the hell I should do. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm sure a lot of people 
you know, depending on their generation, Absolutely. have been through that sort of uh, career journey, which has many ups and downs. So OCAD, OCA, you know, start up my own business as an illustrator, did things like, you know, a T-shirt business, uh, had worked uh, in a family business. I got a job in design, and then I took an advertising job, and I got fired, right? So f- being fired from your uh, from your job is actually a great way to kind of rethink your life. And I started Pivot after I was terminated. You made a Pivot. I made a major Pivot. And <laughs> <I> started Pivot. <laughs> and at that time, there weren't too many Pivot companies around, you know. And I think at that time, there was a, it was a very crude way to s- search names online to register domains. But back in the days of Flash, Flash uh, Splash Pages and stuff like that, it was 1998. I'm dating myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what is Flash? Uh, it's it's changed. Anyway, so the path is not you know, not terribly obvious, but a lot of people do go through OCAD U training. Yeah. And then graduate and want to go into graphic design, user experience design, interactive design, and so mm-hmm. forth. And was there was there ever any hesitancy in starting, in, in going out on your own, Rather than working for someone else, you know, I know you know you you had gotten fired, got let go, and that's you know I you know doesn't depend how doesn't matter how old you are or young you are, it's always a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not something you obviously planned for. Um, but you know, were you was there any ever uh, ever any hesitancy in terms of I have no clue how to run a business? Absolutely. I mean, back today it seems like it's a lot easier to start a business sure. than it was in '98. Um, my mother's father was an entrepreneur or had their own business down in Toronto on York Street. My mom took over the business. My dad, after NASA, took over the business. So there was a bit of a element in me of, of wanting to kind of do my own thing. So it didn't feel like a, 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 an awkward path it to follow. It seemed natural. But saying that, I did have a f- colleague who uh, offered to give me some capital to get started. So be- before a lot of VCs were around. And kind of just gave me some seed money to to take a chance, take a gamble. Awesome. So, yeah, it is it is risky. It's risky for anyone to go out on their own. Wow. So this is this is twenty plus years ago. No. Oh come on, man. No, I was thinking nineteen ninety eight. Almost. Yeah. I started when I was seventeen. Yeah. Um, so you you started at in doing I guess designing, or creating flash pages. Yeah, um, just like communication page layout. Uh, brochures we were doing you know uh first websites i mean this is like early days right now was pivot your first company uh i had you started i had a uh, i had an illustration business called ic illustration i did that for a year and a half Mm -hmm. just just doing illustrations for magazines newspapers and that was okay i just couldn't make enough money doing it sure but it was it was successful yeah uh then i had one called spx productions which was a t-shirt and sunglass painting business on i sold them on queen street uh that was fun. Was this like a corporate swag stuff, or was no, this like this was memes more and artsy, stuff? artsy? Ah. I spray painted the shirts and screen printed the shirts. Look and, at you! And uh, yeah, I lived at home, so that was fun. <laughs> so, all good. Yeah, all good, and, right? and and then pivot starts. Um, when when did you sort of, or when was the change from you know this is your own thing? Um, you know, maybe you were still working out of home. For, uh, you know, when you started pivot um, to to, wow, you need to sort of hire people and sort of take that next level yeah, of growth a, and responsibility? That's a good question. Um, I must say, when I did leave the advertising 
uh, firm, I had great relationships with a few clients, and one of them was Disney. Mm. And Disney had opened a travel office here, and we had a good relationship. And when I left, they wanted to continue to work with me. So I was able to bring in at least some business. And I did have an office, and I did have an office just one block down the street from where we are right now. Oh, wow. And I've been on this, been on the corner since 98. And Betty's next door to us yes. has, been our, has been there since 98, <laughs> the Betty Ford, uh, a.k.a. now Betty's. Uh, so I did have an office, and I started in a corner office, a little tiny office with all my big monitors and everything else. You don't hire your first employee until you have enough business to hire your first employee. Oh, for sure. So, so or, I've always believed in organic uh, growth. Yeah. That once you get that next project or contract – you feel comfortable to take a chance and risk because you yeah. have the cash flow to, to balance it. So it, it happened uh, after year one, first employee, second employee, third employee, and we grew to about 18 people in three years. Wow. Right? And I had two salespeople. I had uh, two project managers, and, and it, was all, it was all really good. Nice. It was taken off uh, nicely. Nice. When – maybe this is an ignorant, ignorant question, but when did you change from, you know – the design of how something looks to designing for how people were going to use a product? Or was that right away? It was not. Uh, I think the curiosity has always been there. Okay. For any creative person, you're wondering, why am I doing this? Yeah. And sometimes you can't ask the question because you're too green, too young, too novice to say to your client, I, I, I have a better idea. Or why, are you, why is this a good strategy for your business? So you kind of go along with it. Um, I think in, you know, sort of five years later, we started to ask the question of, we need to research this. Let's let's see if we can sell research as part of design. Interesting. So we framed there is there is a practice called design research, and it's similar to a process applied to UX or user experience, and it's about designers going out in the field looking at how people use products, asking questions about why they use them, how they use them. So that sort of crept into our into our subconscious, and we really felt that that was the path to go forward. And it, I think it was just more fulfillment. You know, mm. after you go year five, year six, year seven, you're, you start to lose your vision of why you're doing this. You know, you get complacent. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a reinvention, and it, and it felt like a, the right shift. Interesting. You know? Now, this, this sort of shift into this research side, was that sort of, you know, did that come internally, or, or did, a, did a client ask for this? And, and how did you know that this was sort of the right move to make? Um, I think it was a gut. It was a gut feel. Um, often, oh, actually, let me let me back up. I think there was one project, and I keep I can't mention who the client is or the client's name because he was a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> and uh, but it was a moment when we we sold someone. Those are the clients' names that we want to hear. <laughs> you. We want to so, hear about these dick clients. So you get a great you get a great project, and then we we said we're going to do a website and we're going to do brand identity and messaging and all that typical stuff. But we said, but you know what, we're going to, can we interview some of your clients? And we're not going to charge you for this. We're just going to, we're going to do it as part of our, so we did that, interviewed like 15 people. Mm. And then we came up with all of the sort of, uh, as we call design evidence today. What and sort of questions were you asking? You them? know, like uh, how, how do you use a service with a client? How do you buy, you know, how do you interact with them? Do ah, okay. you, you know, is it on the phone? Is it using your, you know, technology? And so we just. It wasn't opinion questions. They were very open-ended questions. So this gave us some background on how to proceed, how to design an information architecture, how to design a, a, you know, a web page or, or collateral. And 
that was that was impactful, and the, and the client received it really well. So where this story is going is that at some point, the, this this uh, uh, dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Said, you know, I, you know, I don't like the color. I don't like the direction. My wife thinks, and every, oh, no. every designer's had my this. Wife. You know, <laughs> you know, someone has a different opinion of it, and and all of a sudden the direction changes. And after we've had approval all the way along, and every designer knows and has been through this. So what happened though is we had this evidence through interviews, through observation that we were able to bring to the table and say, you know, that's wonderful, your input. However. We did talk to your best clients, your investors. We talked to people buying, and this is what they told us, and that's how we based the design on this mm. rationale. And that cha- that was a game changer for me. And he said, "You know what? You're right." And it was a, I think I was holding my baby, and uh, at this point, and I was on my cell on phone. On the phone, yeah. And he was he was kind of reaming me, right, and talking about color and the illustrations were amateurish, even though we'd hired a New York Times illustrator. And and I just talked about the evidence, and he's and he backed totally backed off and said, "You're right, you're absolutely right." And yeah, that was a eureka moment. That was like it's okay, interesting, and and I guess this has traction. Right? Today, you could there's a lot of data points you can go to now. You know, you might not necessarily have to, you know, True. interview. You could sort of say, "Where are the where's the traffic coming from? Where are the sales coming from? You know, where's our our more conversions? Sales? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and sort of figure out where where everything is." You know, how people are interacting, call centers, websites. Sure. Well, today it's much easier for sure. Yeah. But but that's very interesting. I mean, now it's almost, you know, sort of where I work, um, you know, at an agency level, it's sort of demanded, you know, that we use data, mm-hmm. you know, from all over to, to ensure that the service that we provide to the client is the best available based upon the data that – the client makes available to us that we find out through the the current work that we do for them. So sure. Uh, so yeah. So times have changed definitely. Yeah, but data is only part of it, right? Like data is a, a material mm-hmm. in the design. Data is a raw material. How do you how do you interpret the data? That's right. Right. Uh, data is analytical. We need uh, you know something with more quality. We need to understand, really, do people really, is this something that really happens? Yeah, okay, they're getting click-throughs, but maybe we're missing something, which is why you need to balance it with something more qualitative, Ah. right? So quant is great, but qual is also equally important. So So where do you get the qualitative data today? Is it the same thing in terms of talking to your clients' clients and things like that? You you get it through talking to people, through observing people, through uh, testing Right, A/B testing sure. through usability testing through uh, face-to-face testing. Right, um, you obviously you can't do you don't need too many of those, but you need some of that to balance out with your with your data analysis. Right, mm-hmm. otherwise you could be totally off the mark. So that's right. Um, you know, I want to get to and I and I, you know, I I don't want to ask you about the dicks, but well. <laughs> is there? Um, what sort of I, I and I don't know whether you're not whether you're allowed to talk about this on the record or not, but I know you've sort of have been doing some work recently. Is it with SpaceX? I want to say. Yeah, or it's with X X Prize. X Prize. There's an X in there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so what is X Prize? <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah. That 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 question as you started from Dex to. Because <laughs> they are not anything. They, they are close no, no, to no, no, no. They're actually amazing. Uh, so let's. Um, but that was that was a good transition. 
Uh, XPRIZE <laughs> is, uh, we were fortunate to get introduced to this wonderful project that, it, that happened and sprung out of California. And the challenge was to the global industry for healthcare, and it was to build the next tri-quarter, right? So, okay. So, so um, that you, we uh, were speaking Bones, about earlier, you know, Bones from Star Trek, the early, mm-hmm. uh, the first, you know, uh, generation of, of Star Trek used to carry around a tricorder. They called it a tricorder. Yeah. And he would scan people and figure out exactly what was wrong with them, right? What, inside their body, we can't see inside, so this is one way to scan them and fix them. So that, as a as a fictional concept, was the competition. Okay. So it was a call out to anyone globally to come up with the future tricorder. And who made this call out? Uh, it was X Prize. Okay. I would love to contribute it to Dr. Sonny Coley, who is a wonderful man who was was uh, qualified to be a Canadian astronaut. Was in the Canadian astronaut training program. Oh wow! And for certain reasons, he decided to. Uh, pull out of that. Okay. And in conversation with some folks from XPRIZE, uh, he talked about his experience. He went to Haiti after the earthquakes in Haiti as a doctor, volunteered his time for a week. Sure. When they were there, they had to, they needed ECGs. There were no working ECGs, so they had to actually uh, MacGyver. We love using the term MacGyverism. Yeah. They they built one out of uh, guitar wires and batteries. Oh, my. They had an engineer with them, luckily. And they were able to do ECG, so they could diagnose if somebody had a failing heart condition wow. or if they needed to send them to the hospital because it was really hard to get to the hospital. Yeah. Anyway, so Sonny's experience translated into, wouldn't it be great if we could have a tricorder parachuted into wow. Haiti where we could help people? Or what if we could tr- you know, parachute in any part of the world and yeah. help people? So this this became this, this inspiration for this great contest. And... Uh, 350, you know, organizations or people uh, competed for this, and uh, 10 were selected. There was one Canadian company called uh, Cloud Cloud DX. Cloud and, DX. And Dr. Sonny Coley is a is a founder of that organization. Okay. And we uh, are partners with the industrial design firm uh, called Cortex Design. Dylan Horvath, uh, he's a friend and a colleague. He invited us in as the UI design partner and user experience overlord, so to speak. And we were responsible for designing the brain. So we translated algorithms from Dr. Sonny Coley, how you would diagnose a patient, and put them into a user experience, into an interactive uh, interaction design. So it's really cool. This device has already been built. It's already been submitted. The teams are now down to seven. Prize is ten million dollars. So you're in the final seven. We're in the final seven. So this is like retirement. Only money for one you? Canadian. No, I'm <laughs> no, not going to win ten million. Come on, <laughs> we're just the design people. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get a pat on the back and maybe uh, some f- <laughs> free drinks in yeah. San Francisco. No, there's probably a little bit more love in there. For sure, us. sure. But uh, this device itself will diagnose seventeen conditions. Wow. Right, like COPD or uh, you know. Um, Certain blood conditions, certain you, uh, uh, whether you have a urine infection, whether you have an ear, inf- you know, an ear in, uh, infection, like all these sort of very superficial things, things that people do not need to go to emergency for, but could self-diagnose themselves at home. So this is a pretty awesome yeah. uh, idea, right? Who know? It's an impossible project in my mind. It's like it's a it's a global hackathon. It's crazy for sure. big bucks, but hopefully it'll influence the future of how we deliver. Uh, healthcare. Wow. Right, to yeah. 
not the West, but to other parts of the world that are in need of a, some sort of uh, advice. And who's right? funding XPRIZE? Um, Qual- Qual- of- Qualcomm. Okay. Yeah, it's called the Qualcomm XPRIZE. Ah. I'm supposed to actually say that legally. Okay. Sorry. No Qualcomm. worries. Uh, so they're behind the prize. Interesting. And it's, I, there's another one on right now for education. So they're Okay, you know, so this one is specific this is to specifically health. And M Health, and uh, so yeah, it's it's it, for for a designer. This is like or yeah. a creative person. This is the most interesting project we've probably worked on in a while. Yeah, and I know so. you're very interested in sort of the health side of things. Um, I think one of the first times we met was at you. I guess your company's put on these events called Design Meets. Indeed. And we met at a health one. Yes, I believe. Um, yes. To talk to me about. I guess first of all, the the interest in health. Okay. Uh, yeah, w- is that a sort of personal passion, or is was it a business decision, or, or maybe a combination of both? Um, it's a combination of both. Uh, we'll come back to the design. The design meets thing is. Yeah, uh, I want to talk to you about that as well. But we yeah, started that, in the health side. Yeah. Okay. We'll come back to that. But that is where we met, in fact, and, and yeah. we have actually run a design four design meets on health, so mm-hmm. it is relevant. Uh, we health. We we started a to work with a health client about four uh, four years ago, five years ago. And it piqued our interest that we were m- having an impact beyond, you know, profit, you know, financial profit, or beyond um, maybe just a campaign or beyond just delivering, you know, uh, communication, to, you know, materials. So healthcare was something that was really fulfilling for creative people. Yeah. We could work on a project that was having an impact on people's lives and how they lived their lives, how they how they treated themselves, or how they took care of themselves. So that had a that had a really you know important kind of motivation for us. Mm-hmm. So um, that is just a decision for a design company to go in that direction. It's not an sure. easy field to to work within, um, especially in Ontario and very Canada. regulated. It's very regulated. It's very centralized. Yeah, you know procurement. It's just it's a bit of a slog. But the disruption in this space is coming from the outside in. It's not coming from the inside, although some may claim they're doing hacking events, but really the disruption is going to come from the outside in, and that's going to change. Like companies and people like yourselves. Well, look at you, you're, on a, you're on a smartphone. Everyone has a smartphone. What if you could carry all your records? What if you had reminders when to get you know, needles or, or check your blood pressure or to take meds or whatever? That is the, the game changer right there, right? Is we it the phone or is it the watch? It's just or is the it phone. Well, the connected devices are important, but they're yeah. not as important as the brain that you're carrying in your pocket. That mm-hmm. thing has so much processor that it's a game changer, right? The wearables are definitely important, but that's just augmented. I think this piece is, is definitely key. Hmm. So, so, yeah, so healthcare is just a beautiful space to be working within yeah. if you have the patience for it, literally. Yeah, so it's a long run. Yeah. Yeah. Pa- oh, patience. Now patience. I got it. <laughs> um, uh, where did it's a horrible bad I like yeah. it <laughs> I thought it was punny um, where did the idea uh, for these meetups design meets come from uh, design meet that was it when I uh, long story there was another company that I was involved in and after I exited that company I repivoted again but I repivoted pivot okay. so I still had pivot and I'd put it on hold, and at that time I was like, "Well, how can I, how can I, how can I get back in the space? What can I do to reestablish 
And I had a great advisor at the time who just said, you know, you know, be a, be a, be a subject matter expert. Of course, we hear this all the time now. Yeah. Uh, but at those in, in five years ago, back in the olden days, being a subject matter <laughs> expert was still kind of a new idea. Sure. And how you could kind of own the space around your what you do as a, as a professional. So we went out on a limb and did this thing called Design Meets. And we had our first meetup. And we had this bar. It was packed. Like 100 people showed up just to talk about design, design thinking or design research. And I had the, the head of design from RIM, uh, Todd Wood. And I had the head of uh, George Brown School of Design, Luigi Ferreira. Um, someone pulled out, so I had to speak. And it was just exciting. And we had these five minutes, you know, five slides. And it just echoed this idea that maybe the design, design community disparate group of people, industrial designers, architects, interaction designers, graphic designers, want to get together to talk about how can we better collaborate, how can we work, how can we act, you know, um, accelerate the work that we do through better collaboration, mm -hmm. and can we start to talk to other people in other industries. So, you know, some were good and some were bad and some were amazing. It was just about exercising your voice, you know, kind of like what you're doing right now. Yeah. It's important to do this. You get better and better at articulating what you're good at. For the sure. The more you do, the more you speak, the more yeah. you get out there. So so it's been, we've had now 20. Wow. It's our fifth year anniversary. We just held one at Mars on FinTech. And it was our financial, financial technology. Thank you. Financial services. And we had our biggest turnout ever. Amazing. And Bloomberg Canada sponsored. Uh, we had, you know, speaker from RBC, the head of online. TD, we had some cryptocurrency people, some online payment people, and it was it was good. It was good. It was a lot of fun. So we're going to do four more next year. Nice. Uh, we'll see what those are going to be on. But okay, uh, I was going to ask you if there were topics already. Yeah, we'll see. Health. It'll be health, probably finance again. Yeah. Maybe retail, right? Interesting. Online retail is an yeah. interesting space. Uh, maybe law or... Hmm. I don't know. I'm not really sure what the fourth yeah. one will be, but we're going to. Do you also use it as education? Education yeah. would be an interesting one. To and do you? So your advisor told you, you know, to do this sort of to position yourself as a as a thought leader. Mm -hmm. Is that still the main purpose of uh, of this? Not anymore. Now you know what it really is. Is it? It is a platform. It is important as a company to get out. Yeah. And not, you know, you're. You're always in the office. You're sitting down. You're very insular. And it, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us as a company to get out and meet other designers or to meet other industries. So it's, it's kind of morphed into something beyond subject matter expertise. And uh, I think we're just doing it because we really we need to do this for the community. I think it's the right thing to do. Interesting. I remember when I had uh, uh, Third Ocean, oh, we, yeah. Would, yeah, right. we would do uh, – Similar sort of things, and and again, it was all about we need to let people know who we are, what we do, and um, yeah, it was great. And you know, I, I miss sort of those uh, those conversations, you know, at mm -hmm. these very informal but planned out and you know mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to meet with people that had similar similar interests sure. and, and might even be you know just way smarter than us mm -hmm. uh but that would just make the conversation a whole lot better you hope that yes you, you actually want to be surrounded by you you want to feel dumb when you're there right yeah you, you definitely want people smarter than you for and sure there are for sure and and it's just it's a chance to 
you might meet somebody that you would never have met before, and that could uh, improve the quality of the product uh, that you're working on, could improve your life, could improve business, could improve yeah. uh, the streets of Ontario. Who knows? Like We, we did two on public policy. And oh, they wow. Were, they were our biggest turnouts. We did one in Ottawa. Huge turnout, of course, while being a uh, you know sure. uh, politic uh, political town, and then the one in Toronto, huge turnout. And in fact, we got the TVO Steve Pakins people reached out to us, and we went in and did a little uh, spitballing session with them about the future of TVO, you know, Steve Pakins show, and it that was kind of exciting, right? Yeah. So, so you know, let's push it. And I think we go into this with an open mind. It's not overly thought out. It's not meant to be this, like, no. template. Yeah. It's meant to be, I don't know, let's blow it up. Let's do something a little different next time. But then the other part of me is like, ah, fuck it. This is, like, this is getting boring now. Like, maybe there's too many people doing events. It's like, how many how many events can you go to? Like, That's like, so true. So I don't know. So Mars approached us, and I'm not just bragging, uh, but they love events, of course. They, they do. They approached us. They have a lot said, of space. <laughs> they have a lot of space. And they, there's a lot of people there. And they approach us to to do more events, and they provide the space at no charge, which is awesome. So we're we've got a bit of a gravitational pull right now. So I think we'll keep going. Nice, that is awesome. Uh, and I look forward to those. I I I came to a couple, and uh, you know, life gets busy, and you sort of yeah, well, miss out on those sort of things. Why don't you? Uh, I'm always looking for MCs. You'd be a perfect MC. No, seriously. All right. Yeah. I'm not just saying it now. No problem. I'll, we'll get my agent should. involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, Besides, you know, continuing with design meets, where do you sort of see your trajectory going? You know, where is it? You know, I know um, one of the last events that you and I were actually at together was a wearables event yes. uh, over a year ago, I, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you sort of see things going for your company or for design firms like yourselves? Uh, wow, that's a really big question because it's a we're in a time where there's a huge amount of saturation around design, around user experience. Mm-hmm. Um, service design is a new is a new term that uh, certain design companies are trying to exercise, yet nobody knows what it really is. Um, so it's harder and harder for design firms to sell their services because good news, our message was received on the corporate end. They are now hiring design people and design they're creating design uh 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 what am i trying to say here they're 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 creating design centers within companies Mm. so that is not good for smaller businesses because you're never going to be able to sell to them yeah so you kind of have to readjust and reposition and rethink your service offering right Uh, because it's going to be really tough to sell into the, the large corporations who have hired people um, there's a huge saturation of design talent. Not that it's a bad thing, but it's a very competitive market right now. Mm-hmm. So as somebody myself who's mature, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, I love radio because you can't see the gray hair, but uh, it's, it's uh, where do you go next? I think everyone's think, rethinking how they can reposition themselves in their career. LinkedIn is saturating the sameness of everybody could do everything. So it's really hard to define yourself in today's uh, space. Hmm. So where would where would we go? We're redefining that right now. Interesting. So we're going to be out there. Uh, we have expertise that some companies just don't have, so I, it's just a matter of time to get the message right. Yeah. Um, one of the, and I, I don't know if this is a, a design question for you, 
Um, and, and maybe it is because, you know, you talk about how to, you know, your customers find you or use you and, and things like that. And one of the things that I find um, humorous. Oh, good. Yeah, is is all of the advertising that the Toronto Star is doing uh, around their new iPad app. I know. Isn't it weird? Yeah, I mean they're in all. I see them all across the TTC, and even in their newspaper. Okay. They put out ads for the best app, I know. the best new app. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and I, th- I think I've used their their iPad app. I've got an iPad app mm-hmm. that literally is in my bedroom, and it hardly moves anywhere else. Mm. Um, you know, I use it, you know, to watch Netflix on in, in bed, that sort of thing. Um, if you were advising the Toronto Star. Would part of your advice be to continue with an iPad app? And the reason I ask that is, is is the iPad app, you know, 2012? Is it relevant? That's a very good question. Anymore? I, well, Apple wouldn't think so. Right? Apple is still investing heavily in their next iteration of their iPad. It's still a device that fits into lives. But I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, it's kind of funny watching the whole tablet thing. Yeah. And a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, newspapers are divesting themselves of print. Like it's not a mobile app; it's an iPad. It's app. an iPad app. Yeah. yeah. And is that the right form fact? Is that the right model to read on? Like, is it really a good model? Like, I don't see you know, any, hardly anyone. There was a time, maybe a few years ago, where so many people had iPads and tablets. Maybe a couple of years ago, even. Right. But this year, very few people. I mean devices. Now th- the screens are getting larger, right? So you've got the you've got a, a smaller screen than me. Yeah. I got a bigger screen than you. But this this is great for reading when you turn it oh, horizontal, sure. like a six plus. And so why not just read on that if you really want to read? But yeah. But you know this device is really a an active usage device, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're always going. You you're it, it's immediate, right? You can sit and read and relax, I suppose. Yeah. The tablet is a little bit more passive, a little bit more. Sit back, you know, uh, read or watch. Stop uh, and read. Smart TV, you know, Apple TV still trying to figure that space out. Yeah. I mean, is that maybe, maybe that's a better place to read the newspaper. Interesting. Um, but tablet is just, it's a weird, I think they're throwing money away right now with that. They just think it's the right play. I don't think it's the right play. I think they're late. Uh, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal have friggin' amazing apps yeah. for reading. They are sensational, but they're designed specifically for a mobile device, for a smartphone device. Sure. Tablet, I don't know if I'd want to read. If I want to read like that, that's different. I'm looking for a quick read, something to share, something to bookmark on my smartphone. Tablet, I don't know. I don't see it. Uh, Desktop, maybe. Different, again, Mm -hmm. different screen, different usage, right? So every all of these screens have different applications that fit in the context of how we we interact with, with, with content. Um, we actually, funny enough, did a design meets on journalism, oh. and we looked at what the Globe and Mail was doing. We had speakers from the Globe, from uh, from different publishers to talk about, and we actually had a journalist to talk about the fact that he's now doing all his research online, of course, and he used to go to you know do it in different ways than than he does today. Sure. So those means are changing. I just don't. I wouldn't throw all my money into iPad into tablets. Yeah. Uh, that just seems like a a bit of a, a miscalculation. Is print dead? Well, probably when it arrives at your doorstep in the morning, it's already dated. They, they, yes. The Blue Jays game went too late, so they couldn't even report the score of the game on a newspaper that lands on your front porch. 
Like that's because really it went weird. to print already. Yeah, it went to print. They just couldn't wait around. Yeah. So that's problematic. So, but but some people still like print. But print is dying for sure, right? So there's yes. something in between the smartphone and I think print is changing. Maybe too. the smart TV and your watch is augmenting a bit of that too. So yeah. it's it's a no. You're I, right. I think it's definitely up. I think if we could look backwards to figure out what in the future is going to be the solution. That's very, very interesting. Um, wearables. You've had, um, I don't know how many different types of All of them. Watches. Man. All of them. Um, yeah. Um, I ship them to my office, so my wife has no idea. <laughs> she's <laughs> like, another watch, seriously? Another band, seriously? I tried to get my wife a, a watch, yeah. uh, a smart watch, and she would have none of it. Oh, I have the Ohm Signal shirt. I've got the Polar. I've got the Garmin for running. I've got the Fitbit. I've got the Nike Fuel Band. I've got the Push. I've got the – what's the other one that goes in your arm for guiding? The <laughs> anyway, the point is I, we order these just because we want to understand yeah. what's next. Right? No, you just want to play with them. Yeah, we do want to play with them. <laughs> and it's a little out of control. But, but uh, the point is after ordering all that stuff – I now realize that it's all dead, and like, what what is wrong with this picture, right? Yeah. That hand axe still works, right? It still works. It still fits in my hand really comfortably. Now that's very low tech, mind you, but where is that? Where's all this wearable stuff going? I mean, yeah. We're now talking about ingestibles, you know, like technology you would swallow to survey your geo track. Yeah. Your, your geo, your GI track, and uh, so where where is that going? Who knows? Like this 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 microphone. That's not going to change for a while. You can use this, you know, this this mic is pretty solid technology, right? Yeah. This switchboard, you're using a bit of technology, but this hasn't changed, right? But it's, yeah, it's, it's remained relatively the same. You've got a Pebble it? watch. What do you think of your Pebble watch? I like it. I love Pebble. Yeah. I you really know? enjoy it. In fact, you take pictures on Instagram, your Pebble watch. I, I do. <laughs> I do. I, I either want them to hire me or... Just send me free stuff every time well, they release it. <laughs> yeah, good job. Like Facebook, right? We'll see, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they sent me some great uh, sweets today for Halloween. But but look at the, the iWatch itself. Is is it a watch? Is it a phone? Is it a yeah. device? Is it – what is it? Is it a heart rate monitor? It's really confusing. So they're using a form factor mm. that we know as a model of a watch. Yeah. So you turn your wrist as you would in the days gone by to check the time, and it's still doing that same old – function right yeah but it's not really a watch anymore yes it has the time it's a lot more it isn't has it? a lot more so it's weird that they're squeezing this into an existing model that's old mm. or dated in a watch it should be different like why is it why why am i constrained is my point it's because we're familiar with the model we'll buy that familiarity because it's what we know and the barrier to change to buy something different like a band-aid screen that goes on my skin is huge. No one will ever do that. that that's crazy, right? It's going to take time to, to get, get over to that, that stage. barrier, yeah. to change people's thinking. Is that why Google Glass never caught on? <laughs> well, going back to Dick's, uh, with you know, I've been in meetings <laughs> with people wearing Google Glass in the old day in the old days a couple of years ago, and they had the Google Glass on, and then they would leave the meeting, and then they'd wear it all the way to a taxi or to a restaurant, and then you're like, just take that off, please, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, so it serves – I think that's really cool technology. If I was riding my bike, as I do home, it would be nice just to know that there's a message from my kid or my wife or 
what's the temperature, how fast am I going, what's my heart rate. That would be kind of interesting in that yeah, application. Just by a glance. Right, yeah, without having to check your watch. I can do this, but it's actually more dangerous now. Sure. So it's really, I think it's very avant-garde technology. It's just we got to find fit. Mm. So you could put it in your sunglasses and not look like an idiot. Yeah. Not this huge, weird thing that you wear on your face, you know. That's very interesting. Who coined it the, seg- the segue of the, somebody coined it as the segue of the face. Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. Ridiculous. We live in interesting times. We do. And and it all comes down to that uh, that axe from f- hundreds of yeah, or man. thousands of years ago. Is how do you keep things simple? Right. You know, and but still functional. Yes. And useful. Um, thanks for coming in. And that's it. I, I really appreciate. Wow. it. Well, do you want to go that more? Was easy. That was good, man. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Ian. We can get another beer now. That's that's awesome. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, Kareem. Thanks for having me. Thank you.